As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This week on Dueling Review, it is Immortal She-Hulk number one from Marvel Comics. In the wake of Empire, Jen Walter goes immortal. The Kotati invasion has changed everything for Jennifer Walters. Now she seems to have a new lease on life. But things are never that simple for the gamma-powered. I don't know, I really don't know what to think about Immortal She-Hulk number one this week, Matthew. Maybe we can just talk about, you know, some of the meanings, some of the things that are discussed, some of the things that are happening in the issue, and maybe we can come to a resolution or an idea of what what we're supposed to take away from this okay well what did you not get and or dig oh I, no i got everything right i mean you know here this is this is this story from al ewing is really kind of playing up on the idea that comic book heroes never die right they die they come back they die they come back they die they come back and jennifer walters is trying to come to grips with the fact that she has died so many times and right. she feels like she's come back changed in some way, shape or form, which, again, is another comic book kind of trope where, you know, come back with a new creator. And suddenly, um, I, you know, my understanding of She-Hulk is that she changed and she didn't have the ability to. And then maybe I'm going back to the whatever it was, the, the late 70s, early 80s, Jennifer Walters, where she was constantly green and smart and intelligent. And she couldn't change back to little tiny puny human. Oh, that's been, that's been a lot of years. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's my thought on it. And yet here we have, you know, and, and, and as new creators come in, we get this change to where even though she Hulk has the ability to change at will and she retains much of her intelligence, she still speaks like me, Hulk, me, she Hulk, me need to have conversation with you now. Let me change. Oh, now I'm changed. Now we can have a conversation. So, you know, she's having this conversation with other people who have died. She's sitting down and she's talking with, with Wolverine saying, you know, what has happened when you died? And what, you know, what, uh, you know, what are things that you feel like you come back changed or different? He's like, don't ask those questions. It's just be happy that you've come back. And she right. talks with Thor and Thor's like, well, you know, we're essentially immortal. And she's like, no, I don't think we are. And he's like, you just come to expect these things by being indestructible and immortal, immortal. And then the third one, I forget who she talks to on the third one. Uh, but basically they're just like chalk it up to a healing factor and just leave it at a healing factor. But then each time she's thinking back, oh, look, here are all these times I've died and I've gone to this place. We'll call it heck. And she meets different people from her past. She meets Bruce Banner's uh, father. Uh, she meets um, the leader, the leader. And then she oh. meets uh, at the in the third one. She meets. Um, no, she meets the leader in the third time who's basically like, don't come back. Don't ever come back um, right. because I'm going to shut the door. And the next time that you die, you're going to be dead permanently. Which right. is, you know, that's basically the entire story. Spoiler, everybody. 
But right. I think that there's some good conversations that's going on in between each of these, each of these little interactions and each of her moments when she's in, in heck. And I think it's all fascinating. I'm just, I'm trying to figure out what are we supposed to come away thinking about, or what are we, what is the takeaway that we're supposed to get from reading this? Well, this ties into the Immortal Hulk series. Immortal Hulk has basically established that gamma radiated gamma mutates don't die. They just literally go to an underworld and they come back through something called the green door. That's how the Hulk keeps coming back from the dead. That's how the leader, Doc Samson, She-Hulk, uh, basically. But the Hulk dies and dies and dies and dies and dies. This one is She-Hulk has specifically died three times and it's freaking her out. She, I mean, I really appreciate what Ewing is trying to do because frankly, they've taken the fact that nobody dies in comics and actually made it part of the plot, made it part of the story in a way that I feel they're doing a lot better than the X-Men. But for me, the takeaway here is kind of, it's a mixed message for me because we've had in the Avengers title where She-Hulk has been appearing, we've had a lot of back and forth as to how smart she is or isn't. Um, I want to say her second death, which happened in civil war two is when she came back as me Hulk. Now for a while, she was calling herself the only Hulk because Bruce Banner was temporarily dead. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the, the big takeaway for me is the fact that being aware of it and knowing that she's died and come back is actually messing with her a little bit. Well, and I can understand that. I mean, uh, one of the things that we never really see addressed in comic books, to my knowledge, mm-hmm. is the uh, post-traumatic stress disorder that comes from I've died so many times and I've come back so many times. And you see right. Logan uh, in this as, you know, he's Wolverine. Uh, but we, you see Logan trying to have this discussion and basically trying to just ignore it, just basically saying, right. chalk it up to your healing factor. Don't think about it too much. And you can tell that he even though he's not addressing it, he's suffering too. He's got shock too. He's, he may be brushing it off as I'm the big tough guy in the room, even though you could probably kick my butt, She-Hulk. But he's he is, you can tell that he is like, I don't want to think about this too much because if I think about this too much, yep. it's going to it's going to hurt me so much. And even Thor is trying to come to grips too, I think, with, well, I'm I'm not a god, but I'm kind of like a god, and I don't know what that means, but I'm just going to brush it off and just say I'm immortal. And so you see that in these conversations that people are trying to have a serious discussion about each of their uh, disorders that they're that they're suffering from. And I and I think we see it because it's the immortal She-Hulk. We see it through the eyes of She-Hulk and her inability to really deal with with these death and consequences. Yeah, I like Thor's point, though, that even if you think of yourself as immortal, that doesn't mean you have forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he pointedly tells her Galactus was immortal, and oh by the way, a week ago I killed Galactus. Yeah. So you may die, I may die. You know, as at some point we can all die, and that's all the advice I have for you. Yeah. I really like that take on Thor. I like Thor as this guy who has seen so much. But I do agree with you. the The piece with Wolverine is very disturbing because Wolverine is just like, look. It's all just healing. It's all just healing. That's mm-hmm. all it ever has to be. And I'm yeah, like, he's he's but it's he's not. one of those people. He's one of those people that are just like, I want to put the blinders on and not really yep. think about it because if I do, it's it's really 
it is a really interesting meta discussion on so many levels. A meta discussion about death in comics, meta discussion on why do people come back? Why do they come back changed? It's also, you know, I thought a very wonderful conversation about privilege uh, with uh, with with Wolverine and and Jennifer Walters when um, he basically kills whoever she's fighting, some some mutant guy. And he's like, no, I'm taking her back to Krotoa and he'll be healed and then he'll stand trial. But he's also a mutant. And she mentioned something about, oh, it must be nice. And he's like, look, the only reason why you're upset about this thing that mutants have is because you don't have it. You have everything else, things that we never have. And the minute we get something, that's when everyone's angry about it. And it really is a very subtle discussion about privilege, white privilege and and uh, racism that you find with the mutants and racism in our society in that little four or five page discussion that that they have. That is really nice. And I do like that point, especially since some of the stuff that's been going on with the X-Men does have some problematic, you know, elements to it and having Wolverine kind of couch it in those terms really changes a little bit of the, the mutant supremacy angle that seems to be kind of working its way into the X-Men book. So I appreciate that. And I really do like the fact that She-Hulk who is a, you know, a thoughtful person, a lawyer, not necessarily an action person at, at the core of her nature, is the one who's thinking about this. Thor is like, well, I'm 3,000 years old, and I'm just like, eh, this, you know, this is a thing. And Wolverine is like, I can't think about it because that makes it weird, and if it gets weird, I can't focus on what I have to do. And, you know, the, I think probably the the most impressive thing that this book does is make the leader really, really scary and creepy because the leader is basically a guy with a big old rubbery head, but this issue makes him terrifying. And also, you know, it's setting up things that are, I think probably going to come back around in immortal Hulk, but I'm not entirely sure what all they're setting up. Cause I missed an issue of an immortal well, Hulk. You know, this is a, this is a mini series is supposed to be a standalone mini series. This I don't think is an ongoing is my understanding. I think this is a one shot if I'm not. Oh, mistaken. is it just a one shot? Because the way it ended, I was like, oh, there's another, you know, there's another chapter about don't die again, because then, then you get, you know, you, you get Jennifer Walters having conversations with the heroes. She also gets conversations with the villains. She also gets conversations with people that she's killed before or who have died before. And each time right. she dies, she goes to this place, which she believes is, is heck. And they're like, well, it's kind of like that, but it's not. It's multi-layered. It's very complicated. But here's the deal. Uh, the the first one, Bruce's, I think it's Bruce's uncle or father. Um, Bruce's father. Yeah. yeah uh, he has fought and clawed and dealed his way from the lowest depths to this area where she is at, which you kind of might look at as a first level of heck or a limbo kind of area, if that's your belief system, because it seems like once you're in that area, it's very easy for you to come back if you have this gamma energy or whatever this green door energy. It's really bad right. that, that they call it the green door. But, you know, it's 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 what's behind the green door, Matthew. It's a uh, different, a different door. Steve. Don't be that guy. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, it's nobody really kind remembers of the 70s. <laughs> it's kind of fascinating that, you know, it seems like there's this one surface level where it's very easy to come back if you can find the doorway. Whereas all the other levels of, of heck that these people are in, that they have to deal and connive and work their way up. And maybe this is why it takes longer for some people to return than others, because they're at a lower level. And it's just 
it's really fascinating when you look at it and you think about, okay, what does this mean to the greater comic book storytelling method in trying to explain away this stuff? And usually I'm not a fan of, well, let's just try to wave away or try to explain away why all these crazy weird things happen as opposed to just saying, Hey man, it's comics. Just, just go with it. Right. But I find that I found this very fascinating on so many different levels. It's difficult to deal with that because, I mean, it's kind of endemic to comic books, especially modern comic book storytelling, that nobody's going to stay dead for long. Anytime we have a death, there's always a door built in to bring them back. And it's tough. You know, if you look at Blackest Night, I don't feel like Blackest Night successfully did that. What it really did was try to say, okay, no more resurrections. But immediately it got contradicted. And, you know, it's hard to say in story, we're going to make the fact that this doesn't matter, matter. And that is what this issue has pulled off. It's really, really interesting to see She-Hulk, you know, cowering in her bed in a fetal position because she now realizes she can't die again. Normally, she would just run in and go, hey, I'm She-Hulk, I'm invulnerable, I'm immortal, whatever. But now she's actually worried. There's there's some sort of consequence, or at least an emotional consequence, to the fact that she might jump up and die in yeah. the next week. So. I'm, I'm also somewhat disappointed in the meta description of this story because, you know, in comics, heroes mm-hmm. come back and villains come back from death all the time. Right. But little Susie's father or mother who died in the car crash or died because the juggernaut busted through the bank wall or because uh, the thing threw a car and it fell on somebody 10 blocks away. Right. Those people are dead, dead. And again, I know, Stephen, it's comic books. But if if writers are going to try to explain away death for superheroes. I would love to see kind of some explanation of why it's not everybody comes back. Right. You know, that's that, that's I mean, that's really frustrating because, you know, for someone who, you know, someone reader out there who may have lost a family member or someone close to them. And then you read these comic books and it's like, well, it's great that the that Superman keeps coming back to life or it's great that Batman can come back to life or it's great that Wolverine can come back to life 27 times. But what about what about the other? What about the family? What about the Joe average on the street? How come he can't come back? And to right. me, that seems very. That seems very much um, a conversation of Thor's hammer where, oh, yeah, those, those people, they're never coming back because they're not worthy. Well, then why do villains keep coming back? Because they right. certainly shouldn't be worthy. And yet they keep coming back. And it, why, why does Uncle Ben never get a chance to come back? See, and that's difficult because a lot of times, you know, when it comes to a death like Uncle Ben or, you know. Grandpa Wayne yeah. or, you know, all of these characters who have died basically to be the impetus of another character's thing. Those characters are basically plot devices. Uh-huh. They're, yeah. they're designed. Well, I know that was designed to do something. Yes, because that is right. their point of that is their that is their tropey point in the story. Right. That is their right. death has meaning. And that, I think, is why it's interesting that this book actually references the X-Men's current resurrection protocol, mm-hmm. because the X-Men coming back from the dead has actually created a state where deaths kind of mean something again, because, you know, when someone snuck onto Krakoa and killed professor X, 
it was like, oh my God. It wasn't just, oh my God, shocking, shocking death. It was someone has broken into Krakoa. Our security is not complete. The things that we thought were true are not true. So they've actually turned death into something relatively meaningful. But I do agree with you. It's tough to do a story that when you're trying to make death matter, when literally the point of the story is our main character has died three times and is very upset about it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like saying, Hey, I'm really, really, really upset about, you know, say my weight, but I also <laughs> like ring dings. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm going to continue eating ring dings, I can't be too upset about my weight or I can't be looking at it from a high enough perspective. And that I think is what the, the book here is doing. Even if, even when it doesn't quite pull off that highest perspective of, hey, wait a minute, everybody does come back from the dead, it makes it at least meaningful that She-Hulk is trying to come to grips with it. Yeah, is trying to come to grips with it. Now, uh, we've seen stories which have an Uncle Ben type character, and I don't feel like they have that same weight. You know, we've seen uh, the the Winter Soldier was a very shocking reveal in 2005. Mm -hmm. But ever since then, the Winter Soldier has kind of just been futzing around because outside of, oh my God, look how shocking it is that Bucky's back from the dead, there isn't really a whole lot there to differentiate him from a character like Cable. They're both guys with robot arms and big guns who shoot at things and go, arr. Yeah, so I guess, I mean... That's why I'm I'm kind of disappointed that maybe this is a one shot, because it would be interesting then for the creators to go and say, okay, well, Jennifer Walters has addressed the coming back with heroes. Now, in the next chapter, let's have her deal uh, deal with dealing with uh, villains who have come back. Maybe she gets to sit down and talk with Magneto. Maybe she gets to sit down and talk with, I, I, I don't know, some 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 guy that's died and come back a million times. Green Goblin. Right. He's green. Um, And then in the third issue, she gets to deal with normal people and gets to deal with that and gets to deal with, you know, that conversation with people. And I think then that that three issue arc where she gets to look at death and what death means and what it means for, you know, these people who consider themselves immortal and very flippant about, well, if I die, I'll just come back. Right. You know, I I think there could be a lot more power behind those stories. But I so that's I guess I'm I'm I'm. I'm very torn about this because the way that the the issue ended, it felt like, okay, yes, there's some more of this story to be told. But if there's no story to be told or there's another issue not coming, then, yeah, I feel very disappointed on this. At the same time, I enjoy the conversation that this entire issue does, both in the in-world comic book story, the meta discussion with the reader about what does comic book death mean, and just kind of a way of giving Marvel a, a, an out to say, well, we've talked about superhero deaths and why they keep coming back in Immortal She-Hulk. You can go there. And that's our that's our current thesis statement on on death and superheroes. Um, so right. I'm, I'm really kind of torn. And that's why I wanted to talk about it, because I don't know. I don't know how to feel about about this book. Did you like it? I did, but I'm a real huge fan of Al Ewing's writing because Ewing can take these moments that feel like they shouldn't have weight and give them weight. I mean, he retells She-Hulk number one in this Mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. She-Hulk number one is a real lightweight comic book. I mean, Stan Lee wrote it over the course of like a week and a half, 
to get it into print so that they wouldn't have another Spider-Woman situation on their hands. Literally, She-Hulk was created to maintain, or in this case, create a trademark to keep somebody else from infringing on the Hulk. Mm -hmm. And the character has grown into so much more than that, granted. And I love She-Hulk. I love Ewing. And I've actually been reading, uh, she is an active member of the Avengers. And they're saying at the end of the issue that follows She-Hulk into Avengers. So I'm hoping they do follow up on this, that it does become something that we see from her Mm -hmm. in upcoming issues. How are you dealing? You know, how are you coming to grips with the fact that you recently died and your face was eaten by a, a, I mean, they kind of, plant. DC tried to do this, right? With, uh, what was that, that farm that they sent everybody to and it was the confession and then, you know, Booster Don't Gold killed everybody. Don't mention Heroes in Crisis. Yeah, heroes I mean, but that was the thing was, was the, I mean, granted, it was still trying to deal with people with PTSD and coming to grips with it. And here, nobody in the Marvel Universe seems to want to deal with their, <laughs> with their stresses. I don't feel like they have the tools to do that or the time. I mean, no, by the time I mean, they get back into the book, there'll be another universal crisis. Yeah, yeah, no, but I'm saying that at least they tried to say, hey, look, in the DC universe, at least there was this place where people could go to and kind of deal with some of their stressors in a safe environment. Uh, and until, of course, the that that safety and that san- that the sanctuary was shattered and killed. And, oh, look what yeah, horrible things we've done to our like characters. People. Yeah. Um, no, so, you know, I enjoyed this book. I really did. Um, I think everybody who reads it is probably going to get a different take on the various conversations that she has and what those conversations mean. And um, so I think when people pick up this book and read it, I think they should take their time. I think it is totally OK. And I, and I wish more people would do this. Uh, it's OK to read a comic more than once and to think about it in depth and in detail and talk to your friends about about those kinds of things. Uh, because then I think you can uncover a deeper meaning. I had a question the other day. It was more about, you know, the, why do people still read floppies? Uh, but I had asked uh, a couple of weeks ago on the Twitter about, uh, you know, how many times do you read your single issue book? And most of the people replied back to me. I only read it once, if that, and then it goes right into the Mylar bag. And in the case of She-Hulk or the immortal She-Hulk, I really think this is one that you should read a lot. I think you need to read it. Get it on the surface material, go, ha, 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 look, they're making a meta commentary about why heroes die, and then read it again and start looking at it. Well, what does it mean for these characters? What does it mean on this level? What does it mean to be dead? What does it mean to uh, have a magical door that can be opened or closed or have someone on the other side that can switch it off instantaneously? Uh And then have conversations with other people and see what they think about it. I mean, that's why we have our Discord server uh, that people can go and hang out with other comic book fans. That's why we have the comment section over at Majorspoilers.com, where people can use the comments there and share their thoughts and have a conversation going on there. So I think people should, I think people should use, use those areas to discuss something like she, Immortal She-Hulk number one. And I will say that I enjoyed it and I do recommend it, but I do have a lot of mixed feelings about it because of the way, to me, that it feels like it ended abruptly. Yeah, the ending does feel like it sort of comes out of left field. And if this doesn't get addressed in Avengers, if it doesn't come up again, and this is just kind of a side story for the ongoing drama of the immortal Hulk, I'm going to be kind of torqued, but I feel like just the experience of reading this book and seeing what it is that it's trying to say and seeing the way that they're trying to, 
they're trying to grapple with whether or not the concept of, you know, actual mortality in comic books is something that you can put into a story or not. I like it. I definitely recommend it. I would say if it says Al Ewing on the cover, read the book. <laughs> That's All it. Right. I mean, this Al Ewing's was, good. This was an overwhelming recommendation from I know, our there were fans. Like nine people. Yeah, there were a lot of people who said that they wanted us to review Immortal She-Hulk number one. And and some of you who may be listening, maybe for the first time going, what do you mean that people told you told you what to read? Matthew, t- give them the rundown of what we're talking about here. So here's the deal. Our Dueling Review podcast is driven by you, the faithful spoilerites, the listeners, the people, the fans. All y'all have a voice in what happens. All you have to do is go to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash major spoilers. Right now, you're going to look for Dueling Review for, I'm going to say the 23rd. No, it's the 30th. No, the 30th? What's the 23rd? That's yesterday. That was yesterday. Oh, my bad. I'm broke. So you look at Dueling Review for September 30th, and you will see a list of comics from which you can choose, well, and you will put in your vote. Yeah, that's right. So coming out next week from um, DC Comics, we have Batman the Three Jokers, number two. That's a six ninety nine book. Batman Superman, number one. Dark Knight's Death Metal, something, something, uh, issue number that's one something. there. We also have Injustice Year Zero, number seven, as a digital comic. Uh, the Lolo Woods, which is a trade paperback, comes out next week. And Superman, The Man of Steel, Digital First, number 16, comes out next week as well. That's DC Comics. Over at Boom Studios, we have Alienated, number six. That's the final issue of that one. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the Legacy Edition. That's a trade paperback for 30 bucks. Firefly, Blue Sun Rising, number zero. And Wind, number one. That's a third printing of that one. Uh, for people that are into that. No, it's it's definitely wind. Uh, Dark Horse Comics next week has Castlevania stuff. Lots of Castlevania merch that you can pick up next week. Also, Stranger Things Science Camp, number one of four-issue miniseries there. And X-Ray Robot, number two. Dynamite Entertainment has The Boys, Dear Becky, number five. Uh, Death to the Death to the Army of Darkness, number five. Deja Thoris, number eight. And uh, Vampirilla Trail of the Soul, one shot. It's a Sears limited edition variant cover, so this has already been released. 50 bucks there. IDW Publishing next week has Goosebumps, Secret of the Swamp. You can read the review already over at Majorspoilers.com. My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, number 90. And Voyage to the Stars, number 2. Image Comics has Bomb Queen, Trump Card, number 2. Oh, boy. Uh, Philadelphia number 8. Uh, Ludocrats, number 5, Matthew. The final issue of that one. Uh, Spawn 310 and That Texas Blood, number four. All of those have Mr. Ratings after them. Marvel Comics right. next week has Avengers number 36. I guess you need to, you know, after you read Immortal She-Hulk, you need to go pick up the Avengers next week to find out what's going on there. Fantastic Four hits issue number 24. There is a giant size X-Men tribute, Wing, Ween Cockrum number one. So I'm guessing that is a um, Lynn Ween and a Jim Cockrum um, Bill, Bill reprint. Cockrum. <laughs> I think it's Dave Cockrum. Dave actually. Cockrum, sorry. $6 there. Uh, Immortal Hulk Threshing Place, number one. Uh, Marvel Threshing Zombies, place. Resurrection, number two. Well, it is, you know, it is uh, the fall and harvest season, so you got to get out there and do your Everybody threshing. Everybody got a threshing place. Although the place. wheat threshing, that was already a couple of months ago, so they're a little late on that. Uh, Savage Avengers, number 12. Shang-Chi, number one, comes out. Oh, sad news for those of you who are Marvel movie fans. All those mm. Marvel movies have been bumped for a full year. We're not even going to see Black Widow until next summer. Uh, Shang-Chi, it comes out, I believe, also in 2021 is what they're shooting for. So you're going to have to wait a while for any more Marvel movies to hit the theaters. Uh, Strange Academy number three arrives and X-Factor number four arrives next week. In all the rest category, we have Artemis and Assassin number five. Badvark, oh my goodness. 
Badvark penis one shot, four dollars. What? That's what it says. There's also a, a Badvark XXXXX one shot, which I think they meant to cover up the penis word. But those are also four dollars. I have no idea who that's from, but you know, go knock what? yourself out. No, I'm not reading that. <laughs> Gold digger, no, two seventy-five. Gold. I don't even know who it's from, so there's no way we would be able to watch, uh, review it. Gold digger, two seventy-five. Goon number twelve. John Comp- Carpenter, Storm Kids, Hyperbreed trade paperback. Uh, Lone Cheney speaks graphic novel for twenty-five dollars. One Punch Man graphic novel volume twenty-one. Planet Comics number two. Show me history. Comes out at a $13 book. Tales of Terror, Quarterly, Hellfire, number one. And uh, let's see, what else do we have? Year Zero, number five. Those are just some of the comics coming out next week. Go over to patreon.com slash majorspoilers. Look for the post. You can find the full list there. You'll also find the full list over at Major Spoilers next week. Go and vote. Hurry and do it before Sunday, because that's when I tabulate up the votes and, and pick out what comic we're going to do next time. Already people are going in uh, because I posted this earlier in the day. Some people have already voted and shared what uh, what they want uh, for next week. So uh, you can go and check out and see what people are already voting on. Maybe you will agree with them. Maybe you won't agree with them. Now let's see. What do we have uh, real quick? I'm trying to wait for this to load. Oh, we are so close to hitting our next milestone. Looks like Wonder Woman 1984 number one. A couple of people have already mentioned Transformers versus Terminator. Those are what uh, those are in a tie right now. Transformers versus Terminator. Wonder Woman 1984 number one are all in the running for next week so far. You can go cast your vote for something completely different, or maybe you want to cast your vote in for one of those as well. You'll only find out next week when we review one of these books, and you will hear Matthew say, Oh, was I supposed to say something here? This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.